Guys, joining us on the show today is the man who year after year has won the Golden Globe for Submission Radio Journalist of the Year Award. And we don't even have an award show, but in all seriousness, this man's live coverage is second to none. Repping the Mac Life, Oscar Willis, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. And before we wrap this intro up, I suppose I need to mention the second man. When the police asks who to call when you find a dead body in the woods, this man's name is the natural answer, the problem solver, the original equalizer, long before Queen Latifah pushing out more great articles in Fighters Only magazine than Carrie Bradshaw. Jim Edwards, thanks for fitting us into your busy schedule. Boys, get your dry martinis ready because submission radio in the city is ready to begin. <laughs> I preferred the first intro, but I'll take it. What do you mean? You're the Carrie Bradshaw of, uh, of MMA. Just <laughs> riding along in your laptop, pondering life. You know, does he like me? Doesn't he like me? Darren Till likes thank you, God. all right? He likes you, Jim. <laughs> Just thank God London's still under lockdown so the people there are safe from Jim. <laughs> no one's ever safe. Anyway. <laughs> all right, so Jim, seeing as last time, uh, seeing as you like intros, last time we introduced you as the UK super spreader, uh, it's only fitting that we ask you what your reaction was to Alex Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega being named the next coaches of tough. Um, Shout out to Alex Volkanovsky who had a bad battle with uh, COVID, so we're not taking that lightly. But it just kind of goes to show how despite the months of, you know, teasing, the UFC really didn't have anything locked in for tough. And it kind of literally took an, a highly anticipated title fight falling through to open an opportunity for available and willing coaches, I guess. What is your reaction, Jimbo, to, uh, to these set of coaches for tough? Uh, like you said, like first of all, like uh, best wishes to to Volker, as you guys would call him. Um, yeah, obviously he's, he's had a real tough time over the last few over the last few weeks and months. Um, so yeah, best wishes to him. It, it came as a surprise to me. I thought uh, the UFC were going to be wanting someone like Colby Covington, someone that was going to kind of like stir it up a bit. I think what we've got are two nice guys um, coaching both teams, and I think for a series that is struggling. For a series that needs a bit of dynamite in there, I just don't think they they were the right guys. I understand that um, Volkanovski is going to be out for a bit. He's going to be suffering uh, what sounds like long COVID for quite a while still. He's still quite ill by the sounds of it. But at the same time, I just don't think these two are, are the right people to have as coaches for a series that needs reviving. Um, I'm, I'm really like anxious to see who, who the fighters are going to be because we need some fireworks somewhere if uh, Tough is going to live on and Tough mustn't die. Pride did. <laughs> Will tough next thing to die? I don't know. Like what? I mean, like, and can you tell me that we're going to get fireworks with Volkanovski and Ortega? No, there's going to be lots of handshakes. They're nice guys, yeah, and it's good to see them getting paid. Like, but I mean, what well, I mean, like Ortega sent him like a love note on IG, like saying "get well soon" on like after his title fight got like cancelled on five days notice like jim, jim jim doesn't believe in well wishes <laughs> I, I watering his plants what is that was... behind you jim is that a dead plant behind you next to the dead bodies what's going on it, it's where he got his hairstyle from <laughs> i just thought if there was ever going to be any animosity surely you're going to have a bit of angst against a guy that had a fight cancelled on like five or six days notice even that wasn't like enough to create a bit of friction between the two so for me, if you're asking me if I'm excited about a tough series that is going to be coached by Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega, um, love them both, great fighters, really looking forward to their title fight, but absolutely not. I, I, 
I won't be tuning in. <laughs> is that is that a fact, Jim? Or? <laughs> <laughs> not yet <laughs> okay cool hey Oscar I don't just... dish them out willy nilly that's not a fact yet but I'm just not excited for it this is the worst thing about this chat is it's just going to be in jokes in jokes that the audience is going to be like what are they talking about yeah that, that'll come on by the end happening yeah um, if they stick around Oscar interesting as well that what Jim mentioned in the fact that yeah it's a show that's struggled and it did the UFC crap the bed here? I mean, how hard is it to put together a coaching? And nothing against Volkanovski and Ortega, great guys and great fight, but no fireworks there. I mean, you had Colby Covington in the mix. You could even look at doing something like getting a guy like Israel Adesanya and Darren Till in the mix, even though Darren Till is injured, just to sort of entertain fans. You could even look at not even having the coaches fight at the end of the season and just bringing in interesting personalities. Do you think the UFC is sort of missing what it kind of takes to make this an entertaining show? And why fans are sort of tuning out and not really acknowledging it as much as they used to? Well, look, I mean, this is the first time it's going to be on ESPN or ESPN+. And if we think back to January, the talk was it was going to be Connor and Khabib, which I think would have mm. been a pretty good way to splash on the new platform. That fell apart. Then it became Jorge and Colby were much discussed. It's going to be them. Then that fell apart. And look, I mean, all the best wishes in the world. I don't necessarily think you're going to get the same sort of dynamic out of Volko and Ortega. And I think even those two would probably admit that. And, and maybe maybe the UFC are going to try and take this coaching thing and, and play it as like, okay, so instead of focusing on the coaches' rivalry, we're going to start focusing on the coaching itself and the dynamic of the athletes and what they did with Chael and John Jones back in the day, tried to make a serious tournament. But as, you, as Jim so eloquently put it, you know, if your big return is going to be this. And I think we've all seen the reaction to the coach's announcement. It was a bit underwhelming. Uh, I mean, it is the best way to break news these days, but Brett Okamoto just kind of put it out there on a Friday night. It wasn't this big press release. That it's we not the only would thing he puts out there on a Friday night, Oscar. <laughs> Let me tell you. Let me tell you. But, uh, all puts in. in but, uh, but it's, uh, you know, a great article. Like, yes, yes, exactly. He puts in the work. But it's, uh, it's, it's not the release I think we were all expecting, similar to Brett's release. But, um, it was, it just, I, you know, it, it has that, it's a bit lackluster. Very it just MMA on social media. Can, can, can I just add something as well? Like, where are we going to get these fighters from? Because, like, we have drained the well of, like, all fighters pretty much worldwide. For the most part in the US, I would say a lot of Europe. Like, who the hell is going to be on tough? Because if you're half decent, you've either been called up because of a COVID cancel fight in North America and pretty much you've pretty much been signed up if you're free and out of contract from the likes of Bellator or another major organization from Europe, you're already in the UFC. So who the hell are we going to get to actually compete in the tough series? Like we're scraping the barrel. I believe it's men's bantamweight and middleweight, but you have a good point because anyone who's been marginally talented has either gone into the contender series for Dana mm. or they've been signed up like Hamzat was randomly. So yeah, it's going to be kind of curious. Maybe they just pick loads of like random amateurs and that'll be exciting because it'll just be a shit show like the coach selection. Who knows? <laughs> I keep checking my email. <laughs> Nothing yet, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get many emails, do you? Uh, Oscar, just quickly there, a lot of people also going like, why don't they do like a comeback season where you bring in a few personalities and sort of make it entertaining? Why, why do you think the UFC hasn't pulled the sort of uh, the trigger on that kind of show? There was so much success with that Matt Sarah season. And then, and then and then a few years ago, like Joe Daddy and um, all those guys. I, th I think it'd be a good one. Like you mentioned, Jim, there's not really too many unsigned talent that they can go to at the moment. Yeah, I think it's just a case of it's kind of the 
especially in the pandemic era, the UFC has become more of a machine than ever. Every Saturday night, for better or worse, we're putting two people in a cage and they're going to fight each other. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad. They're getting in a cage and you're going to watch it. So maybe because of that, it's harder for fans to really think and look back at stuff that's been... I mean, I feel fans kind of ignore Anderson Silver at this point, so let alone who they're going to think of on mm. past seasons of Tough and that, that sort of thing. So I think... It's just kind of a hard balancing act because, you know, you could bring someone and be like, this guy used to shout, let me bang, bro. And half the people currently watching the product won't know who that is, even yeah. though, you know, they'll get very excited about it after watching that clip. So I think the the idea of a throwback season kind of it appeals to us, but I don't necessarily think it'll grab the mainstream audience, which is presumably what they're going to go for now they're on ESPN. Just get Rampage and Rashad. Who cares about the fighting? Just get them to coach. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see them them going face to face and call me a bitch right now and again. That was very exciting. <laughs> There's too many uh, unsmashed doors laying around, and uh, yeah, Rampage needs to return for that. But you mentioned Colby Covington before. We'll get to him in a second, but just sort of on the welterweight division, uh, I got one for you, Jim. What did you think about your boy Leon Edwards? And I say your boy because well, you're both British, so he's automatically your boy. But um, Leon Edwards landing the Nate Diaz fight after the disaster that was the Bilal Muhammad fight. Who would have ever predicted that Nate would be, you know, interested in fighting Leon Edwards? Ultimately, why do you think Nate chose to return it against Leon, of all people, Jim? <laughs> um, the answer to all those questions is I don't know. Like, I would love <laughs> to have seen that meeting at the UFC headquarters where someone in the room was like, why don't we put Leon Edwards together with Nate Diaz? Like <laughs> It's like the meme of like the guy getting thrown out the office window. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, who ever came up with this? Like, it sounds so dumb. Like, why would you ever pair Nate Diaz against Leon Edwards? Leon Edwards is gonna destroy Nate Diaz. And now you've kind of got this weird thing where Nate Diaz is gonna have lost, you know, two on the bounce. Leon Edwards is kind of yeah, I'm probably going to get a bit of a bump from it. But at the end of the day, everyone knows who Leon Edwards is right now. I think Any, everyone in the MMA community knows who he is. People just don't like him. So why pit, pit him against one of the most popular fighters on your roster? Like pe People are probably going to hate him a bit more after this because he's going to absolutely... I, I think he's going to piece Nate Diaz up. You saw what Jorge Masvidal did to him. I I just I just don't understand the matchmaking here. I on, on, honestly don't. I think Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington was there for the making. I don't understand why that kind of didn't get done. If you wanted to put Leon in front of an audience more, why not put him opposite Colby as like a tough coach? I think they well, probably would have ask these two that because they speak to him every week. <laughs> <laughs> Colby wasn't available this week, boys, so we got you instead. <laughs> Here we are. Well, I, I think the, the thing about Nate and Leon is if you look at that division and you look at who Nate kind of matches up against, really, you, you run out of names. I mean, you have to get to like rank number 10 before you start thinking, okay, maybe. And I think out of yeah. those top names, Leon is probably up there with one of the people he could do well against. I think there's a reason he asked for five rounds. Don't shake your head at me, Jim. <laughs> I think there's a reason he asked for five rounds. Nate probably thinks he can weather a storm. I actually think, it, and I'm this, I like Leon, but this will be the most Leon Edwards thing. He could go in there and starch Nate Diaz and get a big rub, but it's more likely he's going to go in there, just kind of wrestle and control him for five rounds and be disliked even more by the, the mainstream than he currently is after stabbing Bilal in the eye. So I think it's an interesting matchup. I'm curious that they've used this one to be the first five round co-main event. I think it'll be fun having Nate Diaz back. But um, like Jim said, I'm curious. The, the meeting 
you know, UFC sometimes do things with long-term booking in mind, and this doesn't feel like that. And, you know, what, where, where does either man go after this one? Just quickly, the yeah, meeting's one thing. The phone call also of Tanay Diaz. <laughs> like, uh, when they called him they, and it was they, like, hey, we got a fighter for you. It's Leon Edwards. I reckon Nate would have been like, yeah. And they would have been like, he's in, <laughs> boys. But then surely someone would have been like, just wait for it. He's clearly joking. Oh, yeah, you never know, man. Like Nate might look at Leon and be like, "He, could, I could beat him, and he's got this big win streak." Out of all the people, he would be the easiest person for me to sell a victory with. Or so, someone at the UFC office thinks this is an April Fool's joke that never actually was a joke, and is like, "Oh, we actually booked it in." Okay, let's see how this plays out. But Jim, I'm, I'm just curious. All right, let's just say Nate wins this thing. Who knows? Because he came in against Pettis. He put in a great performance. We know Nate can look different depending on what, where he's at mentally, depending on what happens on the night. If he does, Jim, beat, beat Leon, what is the outcome for him? What do you think is this UFC plan for him? Are they planning for a possible Masvidal win over Kamara Usman and doing a rematch? What do you think is a long-term plan for Nate? Because like Oscar mentioned, you go through those top 10 names and there's not many guys in there that you're like oh like this is gonna be like an eight Diaz, an easy fight for nate so what do you even do with him if he beats leon edwards the guy who's on this crazy winning streak i mean you would then go for the winner of like usman jorge masvidal which will be usman so then it will be nate fighting for the title <laughs> which is which is a good thing but at the end of the day like may maybe you've just maybe you just spelt it out there maybe they think that usman's gonna 50-43 Masvidal again, and then we, then we get kind of uh, Diaz off another loss, Masvidal off a loss, and you kind of do the rematch. So maybe that maybe that's the logical, maybe that's kind of the way they think it will play out. And then we obviously we get Usman beating Edwards after that as well. So um, yeah, I, I mean that, that's probably the most logical way that you that you kind of look at it, whether he wins or loses. But I think this might be another situation where they're just kind of like let's get. Let's get Diaz a fight. Doesn't really matter who he who he fights. We've we've got another kind of like strong cards go alongside it, and let's just get him on the card because um, at the end of the day, he's a he, he is probably going to sell quite a few pay per views just being on the card himself. But um, I, I just it, it, uh, there's no point even talking about him beating Leon Edwards. I, I genuinely just don't see it happening. I think Leon Edwards has got. Um, is pretty you can much tell Jim terrible. doesn't go to events anymore. <laughs> Jim's like, I'll never see these people anymore. I, yeah, you're like Ricky Gervais at the Golden Globes. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, when, when was the last time Nate Diaz even talked to us, like outside of like a press conference? Anyway, so at the end of the day, like, um, I, I just, I genuinely just don't see it happening. I, I think Leonard's, Leon Edwards is going to run through this guy, and um, I, I think, um, I then, I then think he'll get what he, what he deserves. He deserved that title shot for a long time, and, and I think he'll go on to fight Usman. I don't think he'll beat Usman, but I think he'll get what he deserves, which is a title shot. See, it's interesting because uh, if Masvidal can win, and then if Nate can win, which are two massive, massive ifs, you got to think they're both the underdogs. Then you got a massive fight. You got the BMF rematch. You've essentially got two belts on the line. Um, kind of winner takes all scenario, but then if it if it is Usman, if Nate can beat Leon, and then Usman is still the champion, which that would be my pick. Um, do you think Nate Nate ends up with that fight? Just because he said so many times, Oscar, that he doesn't want to fight wrestlers, and Nate's a little bit unpredictable. And, and stylistically, Usman is just a terrible matchup for him. I would never say that Nate's scared, and he's not scared. But I just, I don't know, I wonder if Nate has some kind of other agenda here. What do you think, Oscar? Well, I think there's, if the Masvidal fight 
was there, I think they could possibly do that. But I do wonder if the UFC don't look at Nate, and maybe we see evidence of that with this five-round co-main, where they think he doesn't need to fight for a title. He doesn't need a title belt. He's his own entity. We can just have him fight anyone we really feel like it, and it'll be the same deal anyway. So I could actually see if Nate won, the UFC and Nate coming together and being like, well, look, there's no point you fighting Usman, so let's give you someone else you're interested in fighting in and trying to work it out that way, you know? I could see that happening. I don't really see Nate beating... Leon, while it would make the most amount of money and so that you can't ever rule it out, I do think... I can't imagine Dana really sitting at a press conference and being like, Nate Diaz, Kamara Woosman, anything could happen in this fight. I can't really imagine him doing that. So I don't think Nate would get the the title off this win, especially now that Gilbert and Wonderboy are booked as well. Mm. I think Wonderboy, Wonderboy has the path in front of him. Or, of course, we've seen how this just played out in this very division. Maybe Colby just chills and just walks in and fights the winner anyway in August or September. Yeah, that is the weird thing as well. It's like, why, Nate, why welterweight, man? Stick to lightweight. So many great fights there. And you could almost argue that if you want to make the most out of Nate Diaz fight, you maybe even put him in there with a Justin Gaethje, something that can excite people in the meantime. And maybe get, get Justin Gaethje back in there or if Nate can figure out a way to beat him, sort of back in there too. But Colby Covington, Oscar, just quickly, where does he fit in all this? You just mentioned him. So... I mean, the title fight is not far away. I think he was talking to Helen Yee and the Shmo and sort of mentioned that, you know, I'm just going to hang back and sort of see what's going to happen here. Do you think he's a strong contender, especially if Masvidal is able to do it? Or is it still going to be a situation where Masvidal just kind of refuses to fight the dude and um, because of their personal rivalry sort of gives the title shot to someone else? I, I believe it's more likely Colby would step in and fight Usman, if Usman won. I feel like Masvidal and Colby, for whatever reason, that never, ever plays out. Uh, and I don't think a title belt will be the difference maker. I think Masvidal either want to fight Nate again, or, you know, they, they always seem to miss the mark on their negotiations with that one. But I could see Dana has mentioned multiple times, uh, Usman Covington's one of the best fights ever. I could see him, if, let's say, Wonderboy eked out a decision over Gilbert Burns, then Dana would turn around and be like, well, Colby's the guy, you know, he's always been the guy. How do you that five-round fight? How do you ever look past that so i could see colby still being there it, it would it would kind of bum me out if i is now found that it's a genuine tactic to just sit on their ass and then just get a title shot eventually that would kind of bum me out but i could see it happening what about what about leon jim like if he can get the rub against nate diaz i, I just have this like not cons- not personal concern for Colby, but like there's a lot of fights and they're high <laughs> yes, profile. <you> <laughs> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of high profile fights in the division that could be the next title shot. If Leon could go in there, extend his streak, get the rub after you know beating Nate Diaz. I mean, who would blame the UFC for being like, all right, that's the guy that gets the next title shot? Like Oscar mentioned, if Wonderboy can go in there and get a big win over Gilbert Burns, the UFC could say, all right, that's the guy that gets the next title shot. And it becomes easier when, you know, if for whatever reason Dana White and, I don't know, Colby can't get on the same page, Dana can always spin it and say, look, this guy's been sitting out since since the Woodley fight. Is there a, is there a concern here that Colby Covington could just get overlooked again? A concern that you should get overlooked. I don't think it should did be a concern. Hit, did you hear that word? Sound the alarms. All right. If Leon beats Nate, we worry about all the fighters in the world. Like, like, they're like our children. Like, why would I be concerned with a guy on like a nine-fight win streak getting a title shot? I wouldn't be concerned for Colby at all. That said, that what said, I, I mean is, do you think he's playing it right? That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't be surprised if Colby, even if Leon did win. 
and the UFC, for whatever reason, were like, hey, let's turn Usman around quickly, or maybe Jorge falls out. I wouldn't be surprised if they put Colby in there. Like, Colby versus Usman is a much bigger fight than Leon versus Usman, which we've already seen as well, and wasn't as close. Like, Colby versus Usman is a lot easier to sell. And I think all of us probably here would much rather see Colby versus Usman again rather than Leon versus Usman. So um, I'm not really concerned with Colby. Colby will get his due. He, he will He will get his rematch at some point. Um, and I, I personally think that's probably the best fight in like at 170 that the, the UFC can put on right now. So I'm not concerned for him because I know I, I know he'll get that rematch. But if Leon wins, it would be ridiculous if, if he doesn't get the next shot. We'll be talking about a fighter that you are concerned with, uh, Jim, in just a second. So just you wait. But Oscar, you mentioned Marvel how this... Uh, how did you know Um, oscar you mentioned how maybe this masvidal um covington fight doesn't come together do you think a masvidal leon edwards fight would ever come together if he becomes champion because he's another guy that uh boy is not too fond of and it doesn't seem like he wants to do business or he doesn't want to put money in the pocket of some of these guys that he's not really uh vibing with in the division yeah, Masvidal as champion intrigues me for that very reason because he's made no secret of like, I don't want to fight this guy, I don't want to fight that guy, and he just kind of sticks to his word. But when he's a champion, I wonder if that changes. Does he then try and fight these guys that, you know, he'll get pay-per-view points, he'll still make a big big chunk of change for? Um, for some reason, I feel like if you look at the matchups, I would probably say out of the two opponents, Masvidal, Leon Edwards is a better matchup for Masvidal. I don't think Colby's like a fantastic night out for him necessarily. So I think if he became champion, those are the two real options for him. He did say he wanted to rematch Wonderboy. So if Wonderboy won, maybe he goes that direction. But out of the two, I could see him going for the Leon fight rather than the Colby fight, even though I believe the UFC would try to make the Colby fight. Yeah, Massively. just splash a bit of cash on the boys and uh, and make the fight. Speaking of splashes, uh, our good friends at Manscaped have brought out a signature cologne, a refined cologne, the Manscaped signature scent to go along with, you know, if you're there in the bathroom shaving your balls in the uh, wee hours of the night preparing for a hot day and you realize, oh shit, I don't smell too great. Bam, Manscaped have you covered. You get that sweet cologne. It is calm and inviting with a citrus burst and a woody masculine finish. A bit like me after a couple of drinks. Uh, no, seriously, it's it's light, approachable, and gentlemanly. You'll be like uh, the James Bond 007 in the clubs. You know, everybody will smell it on you. Or maybe you'll be like Ric Flair, you know, when he was like, look good, smell good, and party all night long. It's also got a beautiful bottle and a hyperallergenic and vegan, which is good for somebody like me who has really, really terrible skin, in case you haven't noticed. But Manscaped are giving away 20% off on all their products. You can get the cologne and also shave their shave your balls uh, with the <laughs> promo code submission. You can shave their balls if you want. You have the tools with the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. Um, and yeah, fantastic company to work with. Isn't that right, Dennis? That's right, man. And speaking of splashing cash and cash, get that cash dispenser out there because have a look at this man's wallet. That is the Ridge. They are a sponsor of this program. That bad boy holds up to 12 cards plus room for cash. Over 30 colors, including carbon fiber and burnt titanium. There's 40,000 five-star reviews. Durable material, which means the wallet comes with a lifetime warranty. You can buy one wallet and carry it for life. And the guys at the Ridge don't only have wallets. Check out this weekend duffel bag. It's weatherproof. I don't know if I can fit it into the camera here, but I went to Tasmania. 
Uh, there was some dead bodies and none of them. Look at that. No blood, nothing. So the Ridge <laughs> is the place to be uh, if you want to. Seriously, I'm off to New Zealand later on, and they have the best stuff if you want to travel. Nothing gets wet. Everything uh, has patches and all sorts of uh, shoe totes and things that you can use for when you travel. Make sure to jump onto theridge.com right now, forward slash submission. Use the code submission and get 10% off. And how about this? Because this is something that the Aussies aren't used to and the Kiwis. Free worldwide shipping and returns. If, you don't, yeah. if you're not happy with it, the Ridge is happy for you to send it back. It's 10% off the ridge.com forward slash submission. Use the code submission now. But okay, speaking about people that uh, Jim cares about, uh, his bestie Marvin Vittori. Jim, <laughs> let's quickly talk about this fight that's coming up this weekend. Uh, first of all, your reaction when you saw the Darren Till had to withdraw injury from this one. It seems like this was a huge opportunity for the man to get a title shot against Israel. Well, after, after crying um, about Darren being out, <laughs> look, look, that, that was, um, in all seriousness, that, that was a great fight. I thought it was going to be, um, I, I thought that fight, whoever won that, Marvin or Darren, I thought they were legit going to be probably the next man for Israel Adesanya. Sorry, sorry. Um, did, did one of you guys start driving on the freeway on a motorbike by any chance? <laughs> Sounds like you got abducted and put in a truck. I don't think so. Okay, good. I think Is that it? fixed it. I think that fixed it. All right. Jim, carry on. Right. Oscar's been saved. Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, no, I, I just thought I was really obviously disappointed when that fight fell out. Um, but I think um, I think, I think think Marvin versus Kevin Holland is a good opportunity for Marvin to put himself there right in the shop window. If, if Marvin absolutely demolishes uh, Kevin Holland this weekend, I think he's right there. I think we got Whitaker versus Gastelum coming up. Whitaker, for whatever reason, just kind of has previously said a few times he doesn't, uh, he, for whatever reason, he doesn't really want that rematch. Now he apparently does after saying he doesn't want it. I think Marvin's yeah, like. Dana right White there. over here. <laughs> <laughs> Marvin said, Mar Mar Marvin's the guy that's pushed like Israel Adesanya the, the the furthest apart from Jan, obviously. But at 185, like Marvin's the guy who's had the, the best success. So for me, if he wins and he wins impressively on Saturday, he, he's right there in the mix. Israel, though, Israel was pushing hard for Till. For whatever reason, Israel was like the biggest like Darren Till supporter like before his fight with Jan. Second Bartlett, to you I think only, Jim. Sorry? The biggest Darren Till supporter second to you, obviously. <laughs> maybe not but at the end of the day i think um look at the end of the day i think i think we know that the the biggest fight um that they can make it uh that they can make at 185 is is uh darren till um versus she's got out jim and that's a fact <laughs> there it is. there's the catchphrase that's money's the show, been made ladies and gentlemen we want to thank everybody for <laughs> yeah i think uh, for me man the darren till situation is just kind of sad because uh this fight is being held at prime time european time it's like mm. 8 a.m 8 local time in vegas so they really set this up as this battle of europe for darren to well and potentially marvin but mostly darren to win and catapult him into the the title shot that adesanya and eugene clearly wanted him to have so for darren to get injured at this stage i think it's um it's pretty tough for darren's momentum you know he was he's, he lost to rob it was a great showing but he's been out for a while and i think um i get the feeling with darren that everyone wants to be his biggest fan everyone except for jim who is his biggest fan but everyone wants to support him and wants to follow him because of his social media mm. and i just feel like it's it's 
multiple times now, he just hasn't been able to convert it into the goal that he needs. Let me ask you, Oscar, you've done a lot of great interviews with uh, Israel Adesanya. So if you were in his shoes or if you were trying to read his mind, what do you think he does next? Like, Darren's with with a broken bone, you're looking at about six weeks out. Um, in the meantime, you're going to have to get healthy again, then start training again. You know, you've got this Marvin versus Holland fight. Now, Israel doesn't seem too keen on fighting either of these guys. Marvin, he's already beaten, and he said he'll never get a rematch. And Holland, I think, just annoys him too much to give him that fight. Huge told us that the only two guys... He's, he said clearly, he said, there's no Paulo Costa, there's no Marvin Vittori. There's two guys, Till and Robert Whitaker, because he's one of their fellow brethren. So if you're Israel, who likes to stay active, and you're like, I'm coming back to 185 and there's not really a ton of options i don't know do you do you and it'll be imagine if kelvin gaslin beats robert whitaker it's just all well actually even if he doesn't it's just regardless pretty much all rematches for israel adesanya in the in the near future what do you think he does and how long do you think he's willing to sit out for at this point if kevin holland hadn't had the performance he did against Derek brunson even if he had lost but still looked very competitive and took it seriously and then took a short notice fight with Vittori and beat Vittori, I could see them making the Kevin Holland Adesanya fight. I think because of that Derek Brunson thing, no matter what uh, Kevin Holland does on Saturday, even if he knocks him out, I feel people are, it's going to be a bit of a tough sell. So for Izzy, I th I'm sure you probably start looking like, well, instead of these big gargantuan fights that I've been trying to get, you know, stage by stage, you'll probably just take the Rob Whitaker rematch and just make it like, okay, this is the defense I'm meant to fight, and this is the, this is the fight I'm supposed to do now. And he he said in the past that he wants to, you know, look after the division in that way, be the champion that fights the real contenders. So maybe he just takes that attitude towards it. But yeah, it's um, worst case scenario in terms of promotion. I think having Darren get injured at this stage. And Jim, I'm wondering, and, he, and chime in as well, Oscar, because Robert Whitaker versus Israel Adesanya too. Over here, that's a big fight. Like, people want to see Rob have another crack at him. Rob was able to be Darren Till. He was e able to be Jared Kennedy. Two guys who are contenders. And uh, Darren Till, obviously, people want to see him fight Israel. It's a, we have crowds here in Melbourne. Um, so there is a possibility you could do a Marvel Stadium. Like, they're doing football games. And it's and they just opened up the Tasman bubble between Tasman, uh, between Australia and New Zealand. Jim, am I missing something here? Why is the UFC not trying to book this Robert Whitaker Israel Adesanya rematch? And plus, there's bad blood there. There's bad mm -hmm. blood. There's a bit of a rivalry. Am I missing something here, Jim? No, I don't think you're missing anything. I think that that what you just mentioned there, that kind of Aussie to New Zealand kind of like travel corridor that's just opened up actually could be the deciding factor in Israel Adesanya's next fight. I think that could play a big thing. But the, is like Rob Whitaker did go a bit weird. Like before the Till fight, he was saying that... Here he we go again. He, he was on the show before, all right? If you listen to Submission Radio content once in your life, you would have seen that. He wants the fight. He wants the fight. Yeah, but on multiple occasions, he said on different... He said on different programs and different channels, even in post-fight interviews, that he didn't want... He didn't necessarily... He wasn't like... I think his exact wording was he wasn't desperate to get the rematch in, it's, which it's was an just Aussie like... thing, Jim. We've got this tall poppy syndrome thing. Like we, we try to be, we try to not overdo it. I think that, and I think that is a fair point. With with Robert Whitaker and a lot of the athletes down here, like the footy players and the cricket players, there's an emphasis on not being too aggressive and not wanting to call your shot too much. And I think it does end up costing them. And I think there is a misconception here because I know that like 
he said this thing, and then he he's been on the show a few times after he mentioned in the press conference. He was like, no, no, I want the fight. I want the fight. Let's make the fight. And then Dana White's like, well, he doesn't want the fight. So he's got to be careful about mm-hmm. how he phrases things. But he definitely wants – I mean, would you rather fight Calvin Gaslam on a fight night card in a main event, or would you rather have another crack at a world championship in front of a sold-out Marvel stage? Also, just quickly, you never want to come across as chasing somebody. You know, you don't want to be that guy who's like, you know, please, I really want that title shot. Please, I really, really want to fight you. If you're courting a girl, you're not going to be like, I really, really want to bang you. You're going to play it off cool and be like, ah, whatever, I'm cool either way. Even though you're dying on the inside when she sends you, you know, a K after writing her, you know, seven-page text. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, you don't want to be chasing Israel. And I think, there's I think Rob understands this, that. Understand there's levels to this. I don't agree. I don't agree. I think I think you... <laughs> <laughs> Not about the uh, courting a girl stuff. But um, what I'm saying is Robert Whittaker, like that one time that he came out of that press conference and was like, uh, again, like, I understand what you guys are saying, but the fact that he literally said in a public forum that he's not really concerned about the rematch, I think it just played against him massively. Has Rob ever I been concerned about an upcoming fight, though? Like, when you ask Rob, you know, who do you want to fight this and that, has he ever said, like, this is the guy I want to fight? Never in his career. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is, if you say you don't want to fight, Dana, you know Dana White's going to use that against you for, like, the next 10 years, even if you mean it or you don't mean it. Now mm. we know Rob Whitaker probably wants to fight Israel Adesanya again. I think he deserves to, even after beating Darren Till. I think, he, I think he'll beat Kelvin Gastelum, and I think that should be the next fight. Um, I hope that is the next fight because I'd love to see it again. And like you guys say, I think it's going to be a huge fight um, down your neck of the woods. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I hope the stars align. But at the end of the day, um, outside of that fight with Whitaker, the Till fight is probably the only thing keeping um, Adesanya at 185. I always took it as that not that Rob didn't want the fight, that he didn't want to chase it. You know, that mm. was his whole, mm. I, that's what I took about is that he wanted to fight, but he's, he, look, I've got other priorities in my life now. I worked myself to the bone. I'm not going to chase it. Um, so that's what I took it out as. And I don't think that translates into Dana White's language. You know, I think Dana expects guys to be like, oh, fuck it, give me that fucking fight all the time. So I think, <laughs> like Dennis said, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, they don't want to seem too keen down there. Um, so I th- that's what I was thinking. As I'm sure Rob wants to fight. Rob doesn't like Israel. I'm sure he'd love to have another go at him. I'm sure he looks at that, probably looks at that Yan fight now and think, oh, I can, I can really do something here. So um, once you get that hatred out of your heart, Jim, and that, that bizarre bias you have towards Rob away, then, you know, you'll realize that <laughs> is the fight. And uh, before we break down the fight, guys, just want to quickly mention our sponsor, MyBookie, because when you're making picks and you want to make cash on fights there's only one place to go and that is one book uh, my bookie they have better bonuses more mma odds than any other sports book period plus you've got nfl you've got the nba so many crazy things happening right now all over the sports world make some cash with my bookie today you can sign up with promo code submission and my bookie will match your deposit halfway up to one thousand dollars make sure to visit my bookie online today that's m-y-b-o-o-k-i-e and don't forget to enter the promo code submission Get that bonus, make some cash this weekend, and, uh, you know, see if you can make those right picks. I know that MMA is a bit tough to pick, but how sweet is it to make an extra couple of bucks if you make those right picks? Make sure you do it today. Now, uh, let's talk about the fight. Oscar, we were talking we were talking about this Kevin Holland-Marvin Vittori fight, and it's an interesting one because he got Kevin Holland coming off this weird fight to Derek Brunson where he's like, uh... Yeah, maybe there's a little bit too much talking. Like maybe there's a, maybe I kind of stuff things up a little bit here. And uh, you got Marvin Vittori, who looked incredible against Jack Hermanson. And 
Man, this guy really gave Israel, a, a, I reckon, a run for his money when they first initially fought. And it looked like he's improved a ton since that fight. Obviously, we saw that in Jack Hermanson win. How are you looking at this fight? Because here you've got a guy in Marvin who's pretty pissed that he's not able to get his initial fight with Darren Till. He knows there's a lot on the line. But also Kevin Holland realizing he's kind of getting a second shot at this. Well, I think you can just say Marvin Vittori is pretty pissed all of the time. That seems to be his default energy. Uh, in Better terms of Kevin yeah. Holland, yeah, just, just hateful, hateful. But it, in terms of Kevin Holland, I think it's it's an interesting one, right? It's very rare that fighters get an opportunity at immediate redemption. Mm. I found that Derek Brunson performance personally to be incredibly frustrating to watch. But I also wondered if Kevin Holland had a lot of sort of attention. ESPN MMA did that fantastic video of all of his talking in the cage. He was getting more attention than ever. It felt like he was getting a real sort of spotlight put on him and i wonder if that played into his performance like oh these guys want me to be the goofy guy i'll be the goofy guy and then also there's the other alternative that maybe the pressure of fighting someone at a top level when actually his kind of dream of a title shot is closer than he thought and maybe it's a bit of a crutch right oh, I, I can't be accused of not doing well because i didn't even try that's kind of how i took it mm. so i find it fascinating that he's been not that he's ever going to be humble, but he's been humbled to a certain degree. And I'm curious to see how that affects his performance against Marvin. I think he could beat Marvin. I think Kevin Holland's one of these weird guys that could beat people just by being himself. Just kind of fluke, not fluke his way to victory, but find a victory seemingly without you realizing how he did it. I like the fight a lot. I, I actually think it's going to be very exciting because I think Marvin... I think if Kevin Holland says anything to Marvin Vittori, Marvin will probably like try and stab him in the neck. So I think it's going to be like an interesting dynamic all fight week. I'm looking forward to their face-off. I'm sure that's going to get heated. Um, I'm excited for the fight. And I think if the Darren Till fight couldn't happen, then this is probably as good a replacement as you could get. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it being at like lunchtime, my time as well. That leaves a lovely long afternoon for me to do with. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, actually. What are you going to do for the rest of the afternoon? Now, don't answer that. Before I go to you, Jim, and get, <laughs> get your thoughts on on the fight, Jim, um, I, like Oscar, yeah, I wonder if it was kind of like, uh, we're talking after the fight, and I mentioned with Kevin Holland, if it was like a Junie Browning situation where, you know, he's like, look, uh, you know, I didn't lose because I, I didn't really try to begin with. Like, I sabotaged myself. Like, that inbuilt almost, you know, reason. I don't want to use the word excuse, but I use the word excuse. I wonder if taking the fight on short notice takes the pressure off, kind of, like ah you know whatever i'm not supposed to win and he kind of goes in there a little bit more relaxed how do you see this one going for your best friend marvin vittori once a goof always a goof like kevin holland can't change he's absolutely no chance ricky's back he he would just be exactly that's how you really feel jim (laughs) stop sitting on the fence so much I, I think that I think that's the true Kevin Holland, right? And I, I don't think he he should change it. I think um, Kevin Holland. You told your girl that you could change for her. So are you saying that actually behind Kevin, the scenes he never changed? Kevin Holland is one of those fighters that has um, people know who he is. People like recognize the fact that he's the guy in the cage that talks all the time. And I think he needs to embrace it. I think he he's probably not going to be a world champion. But at the end of the day, people are going to recognize him. And that's one of the hard things to do in this game. So I think he should go and talk to Marvin Vittori on Saturday. I think he should. Um, I think he should just continue to be himself. I think he's he's a pretty dangerous fighter all over the place. Do I think he's going to beat Marvin? No, not at all. I think Marvin's going to beat him. And um, <laughs> I, I, I would hate to see Marvin beat like a silent Kev- Kevin Holland. How boring would that be? 
Um, Kevin's probably going to lose, but he might as well talk his talk his mouth off the, whilst he does it. So I'd, I'll, I'll be very, very sad on Saturday night if we get a very boring Kevin Holland getting like 50 50-45 by Marvin Vittori. Just, just quickly, yeah. I love your picks, Jim. They're, they are now my favourite picks in MMA. They are always, do I think Fighter X can win? No. <laughs> End of pick. <laughs> Roll credits. I like Jim because he's like Charlie Sheen and Charlie Sheen and the Jeff Ro- uh, Jeff Ross roast. Like the composure of the man as we mm. throw bombs his way is just impressive. Mm-hmm. So let me throw this question your way, Jim. Um, well, before we wrap up, I want to quickly cover this heavyweight situation because Ariel Hawani reported that the UFC are eyeing the Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis rematch for June. And although the timing doesn't work for Francis, you think they might try it for later. Um, it's a pretty clear message to John Jones that they probably aren't willing to pay him what he wants. Um, what, do you, what do you make of this whole situation? Do you think we see this Ngannou-Derek Lewis fight and... <laughs> this Francis Nagano this Francis John Jones situation actually never happened because don't forget these guys had a pretty uh, non-exciting fight the first time around There's, you know, I don't know if it's the right move here by the UFC do you think this happened in the same meeting that they uh, that they put together like, <laughs> the, 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 everyone's got, yeah, everyone got drunk before the meeting like, <laughs> maybe they just had like a crazy meeting where they just like literally just made like threw darts at a board like, was, it, was it yesterday yesterday at the UFC headquarters <laughs> yeah, like what was going on? Like April Fools is actually happening. Like no one wants to see Ngannou versus Derek Lewis again. Like we we saw it, and I unfortunately was there. I think I was like either front or second row for that one, and I never want to see it again. Like look, would if you put Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis in a cage again, chances are it's not going to be as bad. But at the end of the day, we have a clear path to one of the biggest UFC heavyweight fights in. I, I, I do want to be. I don't want to go over the top and say history, but it's it's a very, very, very big fight for the UFC heavyweight division. All you got to do is put John Jones on one side of the cage and Francis Ngannou the other, and we've got like a, a, a an absolutely phenomenal UFC heavyweight title fight. And it looks like they're going to mess it up. Um, I don't want to see Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou. I don't really want to talk about it. I just want to talk about Jones versus Ngannou. <laughs> Let me ask you this though, Oscar: How much do you think the UFC care though? Like, if, if we never get Jones, Francis, and Gunnar, I almost feel like we, the fans, care more than the UFC. I think they're just kind of like, look, we need someone to fill cards. We need titles at the top of cards. Francis is ready to go soonish, theoretically. Derek is ready to go. All right, let's do it June. June doesn't work. All right, let's, let's push it to July. Bam, we've got a, a main event. And I think if they, if they keep doing that, ESPN will keep paying them money. And then also you've got... You've got Volkov and Garn targeted as well. So, I mean, those guys could very well be the next guys in line. And it's just going to be like a, a, a you know, roll the decks of guys for Francis Garn to fight. So if that's the attitude they're taking, how much do they need John Jones for this fight? And how much leverage do you think he has in this situation? Because I'm getting the sense they're saying to him, you have no leverage here. Yeah. I remember one time Dana White was on the John, the John, the, the Joe Rogan podcast, and he said, "I have to make John Jones Anderson Silver before I retire. I have to do it. I have to do my job as promoter." I can't imagine those words ever mm. coming out of his mouth anymore. It feels like the times have changed, and like I mentioned earlier, this era seems to be just churn them out, churn the cards out, just keep it going. We saw Masvidal, Connor, John Jones all last year share their frustrations, and the the UFC didn't really want to budge Mm. and i suspect and this is complete just guesswork here but every so often you can look at dana and think he's decided that this is one of his personal 
battlegrounds mm. when people said you shouldn't go doing events during the pandemic you could tell to him he was it was a challenge for him and he wasn't going to lie down his tone in the post-fight press conference when he talked about john jones a couple of weeks ago it felt to me that he was like not only do i not think john jones should have any more money i'm guaranteeing he's not getting all money for this fight it just felt like one of his personal conquests mm. um and I think if that's the case, unfortunately, the UFC is set up in such a situation where they can just outlast the fighter. You know, do I think John Jones needs the money? No. But I think if John Jones wants to fight again, he's probably not going to get $30 million to do so, which you can easily argue that if Deontay Wilder can fight for that much money, but for less pay-per-view buys, then the greatest fighter, by Dana White's own admission, should probably get similar wages. So... For me, I think it's very much a message to John Jones that, look, if you want to fight for the heavyweight title, you're doing it for your contract. Uh, and I, be I believe, like Castro said, I can easily see that fight never happening because they're just going to keep churning out Derek Lewis and Garni, Garni and Garni. Or, or like, probably what's going to happen is they're going to do Derek Lewis and Garni, Derek Lewis knocks them out in the first round, and then it's all gone. Well, true to his friend, we appreciate you going raw dog on us, Jim. And Oscar, it's been way too long, guys. Make sure to follow Oscar and his incredible work at the Mac Life. And uh, yeah, make sure to follow Jim. I think he's at MMA underscore Jim. Guys, thank well, you so Jim, much for coming on the program. Jim will follow you. <laughs> That's it. Watch out. Make sure you're on private. Thank you so much, guys.